but then I've also had to deal with death as well from such a young age. It was probably in that same month I went for a 5K run and I did a PB. Got back in the car, sat in the car, and I just burst into tears. Like the, the emotion was so much just going, I can't believe what I've just done after a month on this drug. I'm taking on a uh, hundred miler. So for anyone that uh, can't do that conversion, it's 160K. It, it's definitely been a roller coaster, but it's been one that I probably wouldn't take back. Alrighty. G'day, g'day. Welcome back to another episode of A Lot To Talk About. Of course, it is your boy, the captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Driver, behind the mic, doing what I love the most. And today's guest is, it's a privilege for me because I feel like we have a lot of commonalities. There's a lot of things that we're going to resonate on and and understand, I guess, the intricacies of each other's journeys. Whilst there's always unique paths and unique pieces to the puzzles of these lives that we lead. Um, he and I probably connect more than I connect with any other guests for one particular reason. So I'm going to give him the intro that he deserves. He is a father and husband and no, that's not the common thing. Don't think that I've got a secret wife and kids um, getting around. But the thing that we do have a lot of commonality on is our, our love and passion for physical activity and exercise, which is born from fighting against the odds of cystic fibrosis on a daily basis. He is um, an incredible human being who not only seems to overcome that and continue to drive and do positive things for the CF community, um, but for his own health and his own life. He's someone who I'm inspired by. Um, I'll be looking at his journey over the course of the coming months with absolute admiration for what's, what he is pushing and the, the levels that he's pushing to. So ladies and gentlemen, from your home, your car, or wherever you are, give a very warm welcome to the one, the only, Kyle Collis. How are you, brother? Well, I uh, didn't expect that type of intro, but thank you, mate. Mate, well-deserved. Honestly, it's, you know, we just spoke about it a little bit over FaceTime before we jumped on here. Like the privilege of this last two years for me being more actively involved in the CF community has been connecting with people who are doing incredible things in this space and people who <laughs> have a love and a passion for pushing themselves and testing themselves and making the best of their circumstances, regardless of how challenging they are. I see so much of that in you and I can't wait to sort of unravel and peel back the layers of your story and dive into what makes you who you are. So I appreciate you being here. No, thank you, mate. I appreciate it. So give, give us a little rundown. So you're from, if anyone's watching this, you'll be able to see that there's a trail running South Australia hoodie on this man kind of gives away where you're from south australia you know so growing up with cf how, how old are you now kyle uh, i'm 36 in two weeks yeah so you're so you're 10 years older than me so i can imagine that for you you know i'm i'm pretty lucky that at 26 this age of modern medicine is really starting to benefit pivotal years of my life you know you come from a time just 10 years prior to me where there wasn't as much research and understanding around cf so talk yeah, me correct. through kind of like the early childhood years of your cf and how your health was yeah for sure so i guess i could probably go all the way back to like the day even where i was born um mum and dad had no idea about what cf was and i came out had a the meconium myelis which i guess for those that with CF, we'll know those that don't. is obviously the the meconium in the gut with most CF. Your, your thick mucus blocks up everything. 
Um, and my gut exploded essentially. Um, it was basically the size of a basketball. I've seen baby photos. I had a basketball on my stomach. Um, went in for surgery. Basically, I've got this horrible, ugly-looking scar now. Um, doctor said he might make it past a yeah, few days. Then it kind of rolled over to six months, 12 months. Eventually got out of hospital. And, you know, back in when I was born in 86, um, you know, that was the the kind of talk the doctors would give my parents was uh, he might make it past five. Mm. All right, now he might make it past 10, uh, 12, et cetera. I'm stubborn. Uh, so I'm not going to let this type of thing uh, get the better of me. And, you know, it's kind of that a lot of the new parents wouldn't hear that too much these days. But for, for me, it was a kind of reminder that you've got an illness, you've got something that does end up, you know, eventually deteriorating your lungs and, you know, potentially passing away from it, um, you know, giving me that motivation to keep on pushing and pushing. So eventually I turned 18, you know, Loving it, had a massive 18th, made everyone cry with the speech I gave and, you know, and then got into, slowly got into the fitness side of things. I'll be honest, was not a fitness person at all, hated it. Um, I went out clubbing, I, you know, used to rave. So if you want to include raving for 12 hours straight, sure, <laughs> that was my fitness. Um, eventually though, you know, dad started getting me into the city to bay in Adelaide um, and then, yeah, I met my my wife now, um, and we had two beautiful daughters, and that's when I realization kind of kicked in, and I went, you know what, this is a turnaround point. I need to stop doing the the kiddie stuff and the, the immature stuff of going out and spending all night out to going and running. Mate, that's so interesting to hear, kind of that journey summarized somewhat because. There's obviously a lot of things I can relate to. I learned something there. You're talking about the gut at birth there. I didn't experience that. I was I was quite blessed, you know, on the, on the flip side of the coin. I was born seemingly really healthy. Um, and it wasn't until my parents um, had the results from the Guthrie's test at three weeks. Um, for yep. those listening, it's just a standard test that every baby goes through at birth um, that they found out I had CF. And... I guess for them, probably seeing a really healthy looking baby and going, okay, this is positive, but we're hearing negative from a doctor. Well, actually, we're going to have a positive mindset towards this. And this is how we're going to frame it. And this is what we're going to do. How did your parents at that young age with, you know, I guess quite confronting and challenging experiences early, but then also you as a, as a young man, how did you handle that mentally? And how did they handle that knowing that, kind of feels like everything's against you, but you're fighting. Yeah, it's a, it's a you know, it's an interesting question because I've had little talks with my parents about it and, you know, they, they probably struggled with it a lot at first to know that, you know, you've, you've just had, I, I, was, I was the firstborn son. Uh, i got two younger brothers. Um, and knowing that your son now has got a genetic illness that is going to eventually kill him, um, to me, I, I can't even fathom how they were, probably would have felt. Um, being a dad now, um, obviously I got my wife tested before we went through IVF and, um, you know, just having those results that, yeah, they still have the Guthrie test and everything and just that result to go, they don't have CF. They're carriers. They don't have it. The, the sense of relief that you get, mm. 
Yeah, it, it is. It's huge. Um, it was actually an interesting thing talking to another mum actually the other day who said to me, I've had my friends ask me, how do I tell my kids when they're older that your daughter has CF? Like, how do we explain it? How do they grow up? For me, I knew I was five years old and I, I knew I had CF. You know, yeah. since I was five years old, I've been in and out of hospital three, four times a year um, up until I was 30 pretty much. Yeah, uh, the only reason I'm not the only reason I don't do that anymore is I'm on track after. What a miracle! Yeah, that that's been that's been the life changer. I mean, you would know from from yeah, something yeah. I would never ever picture in my whole life uh, that I'd get the chance to to be on a drug like that. Did, and it's did changed it, everything. Did it change the way you looked at life? Because I feel like for me, you know, th- and this is why. This is why people don't understand this, but I'm sure you can relate to it in some sense where when I say and explain to people who don't have CF and they hear of the challenges and they say what I have to do to keep healthy, but I say, and they're like, oh, that must be hard. And I'm like, yeah, it's challenging, but it's such a blessing. And it's been such an incredible teacher because it's made me who I am and it's taught me so much about life. And it's given me, uh, you know, in, in my case, a very, a very unique lens to look at life through and I'm very grateful and very appreciative for the moments of good health for the people around me, for the life that I get to live every day for you. Was there that sense of understanding and knowledge of, you know, how precious life was from an early age? A hundred percent. I think I've always, I've always told myself um, and whether or not that comes out in me as a person that I'm probably more mature. Hmm for my age and that's because I have had to deal with so much from such a young age um you know you're talking about going into hospitals where yeah there's probably some probably traumatics you know stress there that's happened from being held down as a baby being held down as a toddler having needles done nasal gastric tubes but then I've also had to deal with death as well from such a young age um having to deal with doing my own treatments and being responsible for my own treatments uh, in and out of hospital, schooling still, it's made you realise that life is pretty precious. Uh, life is short as well. You know, anything can happen. Um, it, it's definitely been a roller coaster, but it's been one that I probably wouldn't take back. Yeah, of course. You know, it's, it's funny for me because I look at like there's the probably two contrasts in our story are the fact that I found fitness really early in my life. Like that was probably the thing that, um, you know, and, and this is why I have so much respect and admiration seeing you do what you do now. I had like a pretty unscathed childhood with CF, like my medical record looks scary as fuck, <laughs> like CF, liver disease, <laughs> diabetes, yeah. 50 tablets a day. Like you looked at that and you'd go, oh my God, this is a, this man's a walking hospital. He's a disaster. But the life yeah. that I was actually living was quite healthy. Like until the age of 18, I, I almost felt like if someone had come to me and said, mate, we made a major mistake, you don't have CF, I would have believed them because I had a really good lung function. Yeah, was, okay. Fitter, faster, stronger than all of my peers. 
Um, some may be listening, most of my peers. Um, <laughs> I was very competitive. I was, I was a state champion sprinter at a young age and I felt really healthy and I felt almost untouchable. And that probably, whilst it was super positive for my frame of mind, because then I knew what I could overcome and it felt like a badge of honor to be able to tackle CF and and be, I guess, be overcoming it in a sense. But at the age of 18, that little bit of complacency of, I wasn't a rave guy. I was like a, I sort of knew I couldn't drink because of my liver disease. So I kind of got really career focused and that yep. career focus, it almost becomes singular focus. And I lost all of the habits and rituals that had made me incredibly healthy and sound with my CF. And I now started to see all these little challenges popping up and they were those, you know, bi-yearly challenges. And then there were the yearly ones and the six month ones that then I was like, okay, I've got a problem here because I've gone from the top of the mountain to the, I guess the bottom of the valley and I need to figure out how to get myself back there. And that's why I look at you with such admiration, man, because to find fitness at that late stage of your life and then go and do what you've done. I guess my question to you after, after my ramble is how much of a challenge was it to shift your lifestyle and, and become fitness focused and health focused to a sense and was it, I guess the second part of the question, was it your real challenges and the consistency of those challenges with your health that held you back from doing that earlier? Um, yeah, so doing it earlier, I didn't do it, um, I guess, because one, I was the slowest guy and it kind of just, you know, when I guess as a male as well and kind of looking at the your peers around you, I was slow and I didn't go out and I couldn't keep up the you know running for more than a k more than 2k and back then i didn't know where to start running didn't know how to go anything like that um another huge factor as well was back then i was on ciprofloxacin um <clears throat> and that was just one of the drugs they used to give us constantly um yeah. and unfortunately for me it tightens up all my tendons okay so i've pretty much my ankles even now my Achilles, my calves, my, my ankle joints, they're screwed. They're, they're, they're actually mm. stuffed. Um, I see a podiatrist now. I see a massage therapist, physio, whatever, just to, to keep me basically moving. Um, makes me sound really old. But, uh, you know, that, that, was the, that was the thing that I just probably didn't do. Um, and I love my music. Um, I love dancing. So as soon as I was 18, I was in the clubs dancing, and I lo- I'd love that. You know, I'd be out all night dancing. Eventually my friends turned 18 and would go out and, you know, my wife who actually is uh, I met in high school as well, you know, so we'd go out all together and the raves were uh, physical, but yeah, you know, I was just hanging with friends and doing my thing. To be honest, hundred percent, it was when the kids came along. Um, even though I'd started doing a little bit with my dad with city to bays and that it's when the kids came along, I, it was just a, a realization I went, oh, I've got now not just myself to be responsible for. Mm. I've got two other human beings that I need to be responsible for. Um, you know, they adore me and they love hearing about my, my, my fitness achievements and coming in out to my ultras and watching me cross the line. Like that was, you know, that's special to me. So I, I eventually just went enough is enough. And I actually, originally it didn't just start off with running uh, i kind of went into the obstacle course racing um okay, yep. so got a whole bunch of friends dad brother-in-law um and a bunch of mates and we went and did true grit 
over in SA. Um, and that was the first real kind of event that we kind of did um, and absolutely loved it. And then from there, I just met other, you know, obstacle course racers and made friendships. And we just did a whole bunch of them through through Adelaide from, you know, your Spartan, your True Grits. Your, uh, we have one called Dirt Wars out in the countryside. Um, and it was fun. You know, I didn't go out and race, you know, to beat anyone. I was never going to beat anyone. Um, but it was just something about going out, getting muddy, building up some strength. It, it, it just kept the lungs moving. Um, probably wasn't until 2017 I actually went out to uh, Bright over in Melbourne. Oh, yeah. Um, and did the the Spartan course up there. So that was a full tri- caf- uh, trifecta weekend. Uh, so it was 21K on a Sunday um, and two races on the Saturday as well, which ended up being about 21K as well. Injuring myself, went over there solo, did the races though, came back and, well, yeah, cool. I'm damn proud of myself. Um, and then the last race I ever did was uh, over in Sydney, um, which was a 24-hour obstacle course race. Um, absolutely loved it. Came off the back of the flu, said, no, nah, I've just paid over $1,200. I'm still doing this. Uh, family drove over and, yeah, went out, did three laps. So it was 30K in total with um, – there was about 30 obstacles plus about – uh, 20 or uh, 90 obstacles sorry yeah it was 30 obstacles 90 obstacles and 30 penalty burpees and that was it that was probably my last race that I did with obstacle course racing and I think that's kind of what ticked over I did some endurance stuff and I went I actually like this but mm. I'm not liking the obstacles anymore um I, I'm liking this stuff so that kind of trailed off I had a year off and that was when my ultra career kind of kicked off, I guess you could say. And I went and did my first 56K ultra uh, in 2019. Um, skipped the half, skipped the marathon. I, I only did my first official mar- half marathon this year. Um, skipped them both and went, yeah, that was it. Um, and, and I loved it. But I wasn't fast. Yeah. And and that's the funny thing, man. Like I, I, I understand what you mean there. Like, I think for us with CF, there's it's more about the personal accomplishment than like doing something that's so much official that you yeah, really like. At first, <clears throat> you need to grab a hold of that and get that sense of, hey, I can do this. And and this is something yeah. that regardless of my challenges, I know that I can overcome because I was the same as you. I've run two marathons now and I listen to you talk about the 56K and I'm just like madness, but I... I know that for me, like I've never run, people find this insane because people are like, there's a great running community here in Wollongong. So we know yeah. everyone kind of knows everyone. And they all say to me like, oh, you know, like you've run two marathons, like how many halves have you done? And I'm like, I've never done an official half. I've never done a 5k <laughs> fun run. I've never done a 5k fun run. I've never <laughs> actually been to a park run. Like I just, yeah, I just right. like the feeling. So for me, I was supposed to do City to Surf last weekend, but the madness of like 60,000 people and trying to get in and out of the city. And I was feeling a little under the weather. I, I gave it a miss, but I've got Melbourne coming up, which will be my first ever like official event. And so I'm interested to see what you get from that. But I, I guess I want to backtrack a little bit and say, firstly, I've, I've never been a real raver, but I do know that I do like a boogie and a night out on the town. Let me tell you, 
it builds some calf endurance. So I can imagine that <laughs> it does. It done something for the ad- adaption of running. But to hear you talk about that, that journey into it, I think it's a point that I want to make for anyone listening, watching, because we we consistently, and you would hear this too, when you told people about your passion and your love for long distance running, it confuses people because most people either love or hate the sport. But for me, I hated the sport two years ago when I started running. Like I didn't run anything over probably a hundred meters for seven years. So when I come back and started running, the thing that made me fall in love with it was the community that I was doing it with. And you spoke about that there. Like that's my advice to anyone who wants to start running or start anything. If you build a community that you're accountable to, you can have fun with, you can grind through those tough moments with. Definitely. That's where love you know and passion it, starts. It was. And I hated running, like you said, like you you did as well. Um, and I think it's for anyone CF related, non-CF related. It's mm. the getting started part that will kick anyone to the curb, basically. Yeah. You know, yeah. you go out and you'll go, I'm going to go and run. And you get to 100 metres, you think, I'm stuffed. Um. And it, and it was like that, you know, I, I ended up meeting the friends through obstacle course racing and we used to do just a 5k uh, around one of the lakes here, uh, local lakes. And we'd meet after work and we'd go running around there and, uh, you know, they'd run with me and I know they were faster. I knew they could run 10, 20 k's easily. Um, but you know what? They stuck with me um, and I'd do a minute on, minute off or a minute on, three minutes off at start. And we're just building it up. And, you know, one day I just ended up running 5K out of nowhere. Uh, best feeling in the world, you know. Yeah. Um, it's an incredible feeling to to finally get that 5K club kind of ticked. Um, and then, yeah, you kind of just you, you just build on that. I've learned so much more, though, since that day about running that it's not just about running nonstop. Yeah, you know, I've actually made some of my PBs doing a run-walk method. Um, and a lot of people don't don't believe that. You know, you can literally do a three-minute run with a 45-second walk and you could still do a PB. Yeah. You know, I'm 36 almost and I, I've given, Tricaftor's helped me obviously get to that point. Um, but back in March this year, um, oh, yeah, early this year, I went in and ran a, a five, you know, park run 5k, um, and I ran a 26 minute 5k. I, I was blown away, like absolutely blown away. Um, you know, like I said, I'm 36 almost. My health should be declining. I'm actually yeah. getting fitter and stronger. Isn't that like, it's such a miracle. And I don't know if people outside of our community will ever fully understand that feeling of, of knowing that for the first time in your life, the odds of you declining aren't stacked against you. They're They're not anymore. they're, They're somewhat looking really positive. And we're still so early in the picture of what's capable with this drug that you know, I, I I blew a lung function last Friday and I felt so under the weather, man. I, I'd been for a run that morning. My lungs were tight. I'd been so fluey. I'd had mucus for the first time in three months, you know, because I've been so well off the back of Trikafta. And I was sitting there like, oh, this lung function is going to be so rubbish. But, mate, it was it was consistent. And I was like, yeah, I'm it stoked is. with that. 
And I actually yeah. had from the distance on Sunday night, I'd gone out to catch up with a couple of mates um, at North Gong Pub and on the dance floor, having a boogie, working the calves. And this girl sort of like waved at me from the distance and sort of like, she goes, Hey, I've got CF. I follow you on Insta. We had sort of a little bit of a chat from the distance and for people listening who don't understand, um, we see if you can't come into close contact, there's a risk of cross infection and, you know, we're chatting from as cliche as it sounds five feet away. Um, and we're having this conversation around Trikafta and she was telling me that she'd had in, in the space of two weeks, a f- 35 or 45% increase in her lung function. That's insane. Now, I had a 10% increase and I can't begin to tell you like what that benefit has been like for me. So, you know, this is life changing for people and it's, it's such a blessing to be in an age where we get to see not only for ourselves, but the people around us. And there's still work to do for a part of the community who doesn't have it, but it's such a blessing to see people get a sense of the life that they now get to lead. And yeah, it's just such a miracle drug. Talk to me about your first couple of weeks on the drug, the sort of things that you noticed. Yeah. Changed. Uh, I was lucky actually. So I got tricafta through the drug trial here yeah. in Adelaide. Um, so I've been on it now for about four and a half, five years. Um, so originally I started on it. It was supposed to be a double blind placebo. Didn't know if you were on it or not. Within that first month, I had what some CFs call the purge. Um, so it literally just coughed up probably years of mucus that was sitting on my lungs, uh, filled up a, a good cup worth, um, totally gross, but you know what? I stopped coughing. Um, and to be honest, unless I get a bit of a cold, I don't cough anymore. Yeah. Same. I don't, I don't bring up mucus anymore. I, I just feel better in the breathing. Um, it was probably in that same month I went for 5k run and I did a PB got back in the car, sat in the car, and I just burst into tears. Like the, the emotion was so much just going, I can't believe what I've just done after a month on this drug, what's going to be like two, three years on, on this drug. Um, it was just incredible. And then I just noticed as the kind of the, the months went on, um, we were doing some obviously blood tests and I noticed that my Creon that I have, so for people – Obviously, with CF, would know that some CFs need digestive enzymes to help break down the food. Um, I had to reduce those back. So I went from like four or five tablets down to two or three. Um, I don't take a multivitamin anymore. Uh, my, all my vitamin levels are perfect. I actually had to come off of it because my vitamin A levels were too high. Yep. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, everything has just improved. The only thing that didn't affect for me um, was my my diabetes. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, um, they've they've seen that. Yeah, for pancreas, that's already been damaged to the point of becoming a diabetic. Uh, track, yeah, track after doesn't seem to repair that. Unfortunately, um, small price to pay. Bloody oath for all of those benefits. Let you just tapped into something there, and I'm not diabetic at current, but I was diagnosed with CF related diabetes at 13. Um, and I was very borderline. Like I would get, I found for me, I'd, I'd eat something too sugary and it's, it's usually after three o'clock in the day, I'm not as responsive to carbs, but sort of like first three quarters of the day, really responsive to carbs. If I don't balance it out with some fat and protein. 
and yep. my sugars would spike, but then like drop crazy low after two hours. And I'd have to really manage that. And that's something that for me has been, I guess, an interesting thought that most wouldn't have to consider when it comes to endurance running, right? Like the idea of pre-run, like I love to run fasted because I like to keep a really like light stomach. I'll have like a bigger meal the night before. But when you're going into a marathon or when you're going in, for me, anything above 25K, I like to have something either intra or just a tiny bit before, like up until 25, I can go faster and feel really good just with water yep. or um, some salt. But it's a bloody challenge when you're thinking, I can't have something too carby before this run because my sugar is going to spike. Then I've got to somewhat deal with that while I'm running. Just talk about some of those thoughts because obviously for you, it's even more challenging than it is for myself. Uh, yeah, for sure. Actually, uh, to be honest, that's something I'm still learning. Mm. Um, it, it, that's dealing with the CF, kind of the diabetes has always been that side kind of thing that you have to manage. Um, so I am full-time insulin dependent. Um, and yeah, I still get sugar spikes um, quite regularly. But I think that's also because I do... Yeah, I, I do eat a lot of carby food. Like I've got to fuel my body when I am doing endurance running. Um, it, it, it's a hard thing to manage, especially when you're CF-related diabetes because you're putting a stress on your body. You know, whether you're in the gym, uh, it's a different kind of stress. When you go out and do a 5K or a 25K run, again, different type of stresses on the body. Your insulin and sugars react for the next day or two. Um, so it is hard to, to keep that going. Um, I generally at the moment have been taking insulin on my ultras that I've done and I've kind of gone, if I'm putting this much energy into a run, my sugars are probably going to do okay. Um, and I'll eat what I need. I'll just eat, keep eating. Um, I'll, I'll eat gels. I'll have liquid nutrition, um carb load like crazy and surprisingly at the end my sugars actually aren't too high i've found it's the only time that i can smash lollies in the morning and not have any issues yeah. which is yeah, hey, pretty what, much. What a, that's a good enough reason to go run 30 40 k's isn't it <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love it um this is going to be challenging though running my new my new goal so yeah. Let, let's know. dive into that because i'm this is the thing that fascinates me. We had a chat when we first like really connected probably two, two or so months ago now. And you told me what's in line for this next April, is it? April. Yeah. 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 Give us the rundown. Uh, yeah. So I'm taking on uh, a hundred miler. So for anyone that uh, can't do that conversion, it's 160 K. Um, so that's through the Flinders ranges here. Um, I think it's about three and a half thousand meters of elevation as well um, with about 50-hour cutoff time. So probably no sleep. Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be a run two and a bit days. It will be, yeah. Um, So when I did my ultra last year, I did 112K last year, and that was good. My goal was to finish, um, and I finished this time, though. I've gone stepped it up a bit, so I've got myself a, a running coach now so for any of the your cf listeners that are, are listening sophie grace holmes over in the uk um she's jumped on from the word go and she's uh, been coaching me via an app and whatsapp calls and she's been fantastic 
Um, obviously, my own motivation then has to kind of step up the game as well and of course. and get that. But even now, I've got um, Adelaide United dietitian um, on board. Awesome. Um, so Anthony Mead and uh, the CF dietitian here as well. So they're actually using me as a bit of a test case, test study. Awesome. Uh, not too many CFs go out and run a 100-miler every day. So, you know. Yeah. Mate, I can't speak for my future, but right now I'm like, mm. I think I'll stick to 42. You know what, though? Uh, I've said it from when I ran my 100-miler last year. Uh, sorry, my 100K last year. You, It changes your perspective on everything. Yeah. In what, in what um, way? You know, it's, it's a really hard thing to explain. I just remember I was injured. I couldn't run. So what was supposed to take about 20 hours took 25 hours. Um. I remember though hitting Victor Harbour. I hit the bluff. The sunrise was coming up. Just remember put my hands out um, and touching the reeds on either side near the beach. Um, and it was just a sense of calmness of this is just magical. Uh, probably the endorphins helped. <laughs> um, but it was just something like I've got CF and I've just achieved something that I didn't think was possible. Yeah, well. Um, and I'm not dying though. Like I, I, I literally still had energy to finish the next 5K that I still had to go, which took a long time, but it just felt incredible. And, and when I heard about the 100 miler, it was like, yeah, that's an extra 60K. Like that's that's a long way. Um, and literally registration came out Friday morning, literally came out 10 o'clock, 10.01 I was signed up. I've got, a, I've got two questions for you. Well, actually one comment and one question. My one comment would be that feeling that you described there. I remember the first time I felt that and it was, it was about four weeks, five weeks into my marathon prep. I was running my first 20 K and I'd had two mates who were supposed to meet me who both slept in. So I was solo. And I remember being at 12 Ks, I had a pack on because at this point I was so dependent on hydration and like, like your body's not efficient at all. And I was running through a little trail that goes along the beach here called Pucky's Estate. And I was running along Pucky's Estate and I remember the sun was just beaming through the trees and I was hurting, but I remember just being out there and going, like I'm out here 12 Ks into a 20 K run. I've still got energy in the tank. Yeah. I'm a little bit sore, but four or five weeks ago, I was sitting in a hospital bed with bleeding lungs. Now I'm here doing this. Like how blessed am I? And how blessed am I that unfortunately some people with CF may never experience this or never got to experience this. And, and I know what you mean with that feeling and how empowering that is and how much, of a sense of appreciation and gratitude you get for knowing that the path you're on why you've chosen to suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is such a privilege to be suffering through that. And, and I guess my question is the extra 60 Ks, how much of that do you think, how much of that is actually like adapting and making your body durable and how much of is it of it is like understanding nutrition and hydration better than you already do because that's probably the thing that I think has let me down in my first two marathons um, from being maybe as optimal as I could have been is not getting the nutrition the hydration right and probably not training well enough with it yeah definitely um 
I think you've, you've talked to anyone and basically it's kind of like 70% of that is actually nutrition mm. and the rest of it is probably, you know, training, not only physically, training your, your mind as well. Yeah. Um, you do reach a point where you, your legs, you know, go, I'm stuffed, I'm not going to move. But mentally you go, well, no, you can. You're not actually, the pain you're feeling right now is not injury. It's just muscle. So lift your leg up, put that foot in front of each other and just keep moving. That's what I did last year. I was hurting, but I just kind of kept on moving. Nutrition is a big one. You know, it's, it's, it's how many carbs per hour you need. Um, and I always kind of went before previously, how many calories per hour did I need? And it wasn't calories because you can have empty calories. Um, and it was learning that. So uh, that was something I learned from uh, Anthony Mead was he went, you need about 65, 70 grams of carbs per hour. And you know what? Last year, I, I had so much energy. I didn't feel like I was hitting a wall. I just kept on pushing. And besides the body, I actually, I was so hydrated. I was still running along, having to go off and take a sneaky wee, you know, in the bush or you know, looking to be honest, yeah, look sounds silly, but you you look at your urine and you go, ah, oh, it's clear. I'm actually pretty hydrated still at the moment. Um, and then you know the the gels and everything else. You're like, okay, it's actually maths. It's just so many, so much yeah. maths to go on when you're running. You, it's not just going and go. Oh, I'm going to have a gel here, or I'm just going to have uh, some lollies here. It's going, okay, this gel's got twenty grams of carbs in it. Okay, I need another. 50 grams of carbs. How am I going to get that in in the next hour? Yeah, for sure. I feel like for me, the, the issue that I've had with training, this sounds so, sounds so shallow and so stupid, but the issue I've had with training with nutrition, like intra and like getting gels in during a run is that I've loved the process of like stripping away and like getting nice and lean through Prep, So I look great on marathon day. So I feel like. See, I haven't. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. I don't look, I, I don't look shredded. I've still got fat on me. I was actually, I actually went for a fat caliper test uh, last week. Yep. Um, so we're actually keeping track of that stuff now. So I'm probably sitting at about 70 millimeters of fat over my body um, from that test. Um, and he reckons most athletes sit around 50. Okay. So he, he'd like to see me get there. And there's probably nothing to say I can't get there. Yeah. I'll be honest. I like my food. I'm the same, bro. I'm the same. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'll have a cheeky, yeah, have a wisdom teeth out on Tuesday. I'm, I'm, I'm miserable. I want yeah. my crunchy food or I want something nice to eat and I'm living off soup. So, you know. Good soup. Good soup. But nutrition on a, a race, um, ultra running is different from, I think, a marathon um, in regards to when you're running a marathon, yeah, you've got your your liquid nutrition that you could probably grab. Um, so there's, there's so many different brands out there. And for anyone listening, the best bet is try. Try mm. one. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Don't don't worry about it. Swap to the next one. I've tried SIS uh, before, ended up cramping up, feeling absolutely disgusting. I now get mine from the UK, um, and they work a treat for me. I also use Tailwind. What, um, um, so, what brand do you get from the UK? Is it Morton's? Uh, no, I use Wiggle. 
We go. I've heard good things about Morton's. That's another brand that I see. Yeah, isn't that? Lately. I think Rory was saying he uses Morton's, um, and he likes it. So I haven't tried it yet. Um, Wiggles seem to work for me. So I use yeah. the Wiggles gels. Um, I've also got their their carb mix. Yeah, which is good. It worked. I found it wasn't enough though. Uh, there was just okay. something in it that wasn't enough. I ended up swapping over to Tailwind for the Ultra last year. And everyone that I ran with couldn't actually believe that I survived 20 hours on just gels and liquid nutrition. Because this is a question I have for you and you've given me the perfect segue there. I'm When I'm running, like I feel like people without CF won't understand this, but like it's harder to digest food when you take Creon and, and when you take digestive enzymes. And for someone with CF, it, I just find we tend to bloat easier. We tend to have like digestive yep. struggles easier. And whilst I'm pretty good 90% of the time, the idea of like digesting something that is solid or heavier, like I can get away with a banana, but like, or lollies, but like anything that's heavier is really yeah. hard on the go. But yep. when you're doing an yep. ultra, you need that hardier stuff. You do. And I struggled last year with it. Um, I tried to eat a banana and mm. I ate half of it. Couldn't stomach it. I tried to eat a, a like a scroll, um, ate half of it, just couldn't stomach it. Um, about 70K mark, I ended up having two-minute noodles. Um, I ate some of the noodles. I just could not stomach food, though. I, I drank the broth. Um, and I just lived off of the tailwind and the gels for the next, you know, so many hours. Um, I think also what a lot of people with CF and probably even the new, well, what they knew previously was they always kind of said that you needed to take Creon with everything you eat. Well, sorry, with fats mainly, which is somewhat true. It's mainly just to help us absorb fat. But you know what? It's also there to help us absorb the nutrients out of any food. Yeah. Well, a lot of CFs don't with their guts. Um, surprisingly, you don't actually – I find I actually am not eating that many fats when I'm running an ultra. There no, are some – well, there, there is some ultra runners that actually do just live off fat. Yep. Okay. Um, so your healthy fats, I, I don't. Um, and I maybe might have one or two Creon, you know, every few hours maybe. And that's just probably to help me if I do. I don't seem to get those GI issues though, which is awesome. That's great. Um, That's good news. I, 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 I feel fine. Like I said, I was having two to three gels per hour plus a tailwind and I had no GI issues at all. Um, how, Coke, how have you found the salt? Sorry, go on. Uh, Coke is amazing. Trust me, if you're 70K in, salt, vinegar, chips and a Coke, you know, yeah. that, that's amazing. You get sick of the sweet stuff. Flat or bubbly? Both. Yeah. I like my bubbles. I like my bubbles. Um, you don't have too much because you do get that bit gassy, but um, I found that, you know, as long as you sip it, it's actually okay. Okay. Um, going into salt though, yeah, um, that's took me a while to to get to get that right. I um, When I started training, I used to go out. I wouldn't run with a hydration vest. I'd just go out for a trial run. I'd yep. take two salt, salt tablets beforehand, two after. I'd get that massive dehydration headache. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd go home and I'd, I'd, I'd ruin my Sunday because I'd have to sleep it off. It was just that bad. Eventually, I ended up taking salt stick, um, so it's an actual electrolyte tablet. Uh, so it's potassium, magnesium, sodium, uh, plus I think calcium as well. Um, 
And ever since I started taking that with my salt stick, uh, sorry, salt tablets, and adding in the hydration um, in my vest, my headaches went. That's awesome. Uh, it wasn't so much like most CFs probably think, oh, we just get told that we sweat lots, we need the extra salt. It's not just the salt. It's, the, it's all those other electrolytes that will then go out of whack when you're losing that much salt as well. Um, so, yeah, once I found that out and experimented with how much I need, uh, I, I don't get headaches anymore. Yeah, that's awesome because that was my biggest challenge. Like I remember getting back from a 15K long run like three weeks into my first marrow prep and I'd had so much water and I'd had so much like – I'd been drinking like Powerade, sugar-free Powerade, yep. just trying to get the salt in. And I'm like, far out. Like I can't, I couldn't seem to shake it. And my coach for that Mara prep was Benny Seymour, but I'm an ultra endurance guy. And Benny said to me, where's the closest hot chip? And I said, I just down the road and he goes, go get a large hot chips with heaps of salt and call me in an hour. Yep. And mate, I felt a million bucks. Yeah, for sure. And it was like, it probably bred a few bad habits. You know, after a long run, it's an excuse to go get some hot chips. But, mate, you bloody need it. You Like, you, you need do. those electrolytes. Yeah. And I've started now, like, trying to be a little sharper with get some magnesium into potassium, all of yep. those things. And you just feel so much better for it. Yeah, no, definitely. To be honest, out of anything supplement-wise, that, that that's my main go-to mm. is, is my electrolytes. You know, besides if I'm training in a gym now, um, you know, I, I know my weaknesses from my previous ultras are my muscles, uh, my lower back, my glutes. So I'm now in a gym three times a week as well. So besides extra protein, um, caffeine and electrolytes, they're my go-to. That's all I take. It's sometimes simple is best, right? It is. Uh, I used to take pre-workout um, when I used to be in the gym years ago and now caffeine is uh, even I drink coffee daily, um, but taking a a caffeine strip is enough just to perk me up, get it done, yeah. get it in, get it done. How much of I guess gym training is forming part of your routine at the moment? Well, maybe actually even a broader question. Talk us through what a week looks like, and and a point yeah, that sure. I, I think is probably interesting to make is you know there's a guy I had on the podcast a year and a bit ago, Taylor Cecil, and. I don't know if you know Taylor, but Taylor's the coach of Ali Day, the Ironman. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, no, um, I didn't know. Mick, but yep. Mick Fenning, uh, you know, he's, he's a really yeah, well-respected well. coach. And Taylor's got this principle that I'm trying to adopt in my life right now. And the principle is training is 50% art and 50% science. And I guess the art is that intuition, like listening to the body, listening to where you need to go and the days to push the days not to. That science yep. is, I guess, the the routine, the regime, the... Thing that you've worked out and planned and through my first marrow prep i would say it was 100 percent science and actually probably f- through my first two it was here's my plan do exactly what i know i need to do and almost this david goggins mentality here too like if you back away from it or you don't do it it's going to have severe effects on your mentality your physical health all of that yeah for sure now at a point where i probably pushed myself into the grave a few too many times from yep. punishing myself after a big night of lung bleeds or when I had a niggle and you end up just worse off for it. Now I'm trying to approach that 50-50 balance of today I should back off or today I feel good. Yeah, I'll for sure. A little extra. What does it look like yeah. for you? What's the routine? Oh, look, I 100% agree with you with how doing that. Like That's how I used to probably go years ago where I go, I go all out 
and I don't do a day and I punish myself and think, why have I not gone out? I, I'm, I should be doing this. I should be going out and learning from what Sophie has been giving me um, and actually just going, you know what, I'm, I'm paying someone now to provide me a training plan. I might as well give it a crack. Yeah. And I'm finding that I'm actually able to do it better than what I was previously. But then at the same time, I've gone and done some days. And then the next day I've gone, oh, I'm pretty tired actually today. Maybe instead of doing an hour of, you know, run, I'm going to cut it back to a half hour run. Yeah. And lighten the load. And you know what? Talking to Sophie later, she's gone, that's fine. You still got out. You know, you yeah. still went and did it. Yeah, you cut it back. Listen to your body. You know, don't go, this is what my training plan says. Do it. Yeah, exactly. Your training plan's there as a guide. It's there to go, this is what you, you know, ultimately this is what I'd like you to do, but if your body's not up to it, what's the point in pushing yourself to that point where you then go, oh, the next five days now I'm ruined. And and that's such a good point. I think once you get to, like you've been doing this for long enough now and, you know, in the last two years, I know that if I'm, if I missed a run or I chose it, like it's not the right time for me to go to a run. It's not because I'm being lazy. It's because I'm genuinely in tune with like what I want. Cause I, mate, I wake up in the morning. First thing I want to do is go for a run. Like I love it. Yep. So for me, I know it's not like bred out of laziness or this wanting to just go sit on the lounge and watch. No, nah, it's not Kelly. laziness. For sure. So you you um, need to get in tune with that. And that's hard. I, I reckon that's yep. one of the bigger challenges. It is. Um, I guess going back to you asking, I guess, what my my usual kind of week of training like is at the moment. Um, I actually have just come off of influenza. Um, so I had two weeks worth of intravenous antibiotics. Uh, and I actually still on that second week started getting back to the fitness already. Um, so I, I just got on the bike. I did some training. And Sophie ended up flicking me through some stuff. And I actually ended up doing some double day training. Um, and oh, wow. last week, um, that's what it was. So that's kind of what I've said to her is I'm happy to do some double days now. So we've kind of upped that a bit. So we've gone from like a three times a week is a gym session. Um, and, uh, you know, originally I looked at the gym session. I'm thinking, well, you know what, I'm going to put my trust in her and go, this is what works. And it is working at the moment, which is surprising because if I set this up myself, I would probably wouldn't have done that. And to be honest, I probably also would have failed. Um, so doing this, you know, I've gone split sessions three times a week and then adding in some bike work now. Um, so an hour, maybe two hours of bike work. So I've just got a stationary bike at home. Um, and then also my running as well. So I'm training probably six days a week. Yep. Um, with one rest day okay, and that's yeah. a pretty much complete rest day. Um, and those training that I'm doing, like the running could be anywhere from a, a long endurance run, but she doesn't just go say, go for a, a long run. It's a, a long run with uh, 12 minutes at your half marathon pace okay, and then a 90 second rest and then six minutes at your 10 K pace. Yeah. Uh, so there's, a, there's lots of uh, training in your, in your run. It's intricacies in your training. Um, 
And I've never done anything like that before. And all my type of training that I've done previously has always been on distance-based. Okay. Uh, everything I'm doing now is time-based. Um, I noticed that Which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've never done that before. And I think I've never done that though is because I am a slow runner. So I've gone, well, I've got a cutoff of three hours to do a, a 21K run or whatever um, on a trail. I'm not going to make that if I don't build that up. I need to know how far I'm going to take. Different now. Um, I can go out and run a you know, an hour run and I know that I'm probably going to get an eight and a half, nine Ks out in an hour run for myself. And that's an easy kind of run. Um, I've got a trail run coming up on the 4th of September. Um, and it's, I think, a 22 or a 33K run trail run that I'm going to do. Um, and it's, I think, a three-and-a-half-hour cutoff. So it, it may seem generous when you add the elevation in, though. Your legs get tired, obviously. So it'll be interesting to see on the back of everything else how I'm going to go. I've actually got two other ultra marathons though this year that I'm doing as, as a training run. So I plan on getting out and doing the 56K uh, Eurobilla uh, ultra marathon in September, end of September. Um, and I plan on doing the 100K again that I did last year, but as a training run. And that, that's just crazy to think um, wow. using my run I did last year, but this year I'm using it as a training run. So it, it'll definitely be interesting. Yeah. Bro, so exciting. So so how many runs a week would you say you're doing at the minute? Uh, probably when only three. Okay, three. Three. Probably about three runs a week and then maybe one or two bike. Okay, nice. Yeah. And you find that bike helps? Bike's good, actually. I never thought about incorporating a bike. Um, Sophie actually did a – she was telling me she trained for a 50K uh, purely on a bike. Yep. And she went and smashed it. Bike is good. It it allows you to keep your legs turning, even if you do some hill climbs without the impact. Yeah. That's um, the one thing that I probably need to yeah. get better at doing, jumping on a bike a bit. And mate, and it, to be honest, I've got a couple of mates and they're pissing me off because I've already got too many hobbies and they go on a Saturday, they all go and do like a big 100K ride or whatever. They all ride yeah. a fair bit. They'll do a 100K ride, but they like catch a train up to Sydney from the gong. And they'll ride down, but they do like four or five little cafe stops and like, they're always getting a treat. And I'm like, oh, I'm so, te- <laughs> I'm so tempted to go spend my life savings on a bike right now, just so I can sit at a cafe and eat treats with you. But yeah, it's, I found it's, it seems to be very effective. And a lot of people who I follow's training, who, who do the ultras and get around that marathon circuit. Oh, I'd love to be able to do a triathlon. I just can't fathom that type of training though at the moment. You know, that's yeah. Essentially, to do a triathlon, that's four different types of training you've got to fit into your day between a bike, a swim, a run, and a strength. Yeah. At the moment, I'm just going to stick to my ultras. Respect to them, eh? <laughs> respect. Huge respect to them. I don't know how they do it. Um, but, you know, training for an ultra, I love it. And most, even my wife, she'll turn around and she'll be like, you're crazy. I don't understand it. Why? Um, and I'll just go, you know what? I just love the feeling of being out there. You know, I'll run on the road. Yeah. I'll have my music on. That's fine. It's the beats. It gets me through it out in the trail. There is no music. There's me, the trail and nature. Yeah. Um, and it's just something about that. It's just it's something about going out, pushing yourself past breaking point that I love. 
Yeah, I love that. Um, I, I, you can't explain it though. You, you, unless you are someone who runs distances, like actual distance running, I, I don't think they can understand that that mentality behind actually loving running. Do you think that's because it probably has a different meaning to everyone? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I mean, everyone goes out and does their own thing. Everyone's got a reason for starting their running journey, whether it be mental health, whether it be, you know, purely a fitness, trying to lose weight. Um, for me, it's living. Yeah. Rigid, really? I mean, the kind mental of the, health kind side of the is, original reason right like <laughs> it is um i run to live basically but it puts like you know it puts years into my my life as well um yeah I, I just there's something about it but you know what it's not just anymore for me it's not just a living as much it's what can my body do yeah i've survived cf to date now i've got track after what more can I achieve? Uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say 160K is not where I'm stopping. I love that. Um, I've got a couple of big runs in the back of my mind that I'd like to take on that uh, are huge. I'd love to give it a crack. They're pretty insane. Um, but, yeah, we'll wait and see what happens. i got to get through 160 first. Uh, Mate, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. And you should be because, you know, you're doing the work, um, you've got the mindset for it and, man, I know what you're capable of and it's great things. Like you said, I think this will be one of the many stories that you have to tell at the end of your running career, which is hopefully very long and prosperous. And, mate, I, I think as someone who has done my little bit of running in the last two years and felt that feeling of, hey, I've overcome something that, I'm not meant to do with cystic fibrosis and you can frame that, you know, for someone who doesn't have CF listening to or watching this, you can frame that in whatever way you need to frame it. You know, it's, it's your personal battle. It's your personal journey. You frame it in whatever way empowers you, makes you feel like you've got something um, to, to wear as a badge of honor and to look back on and, and draw strength from. And it is life-changing. It has done so much like running has done so much for my life. False. It's a, small part of or one piece of the puzzle um it's one of the things i go to whenever i need a little pick me up so i understand what you're explaining and feeling there and man i'm just so excited for these next few years for you and that that's just it's not it's it's so much more than just achieving it for me um you know i i've said it probably for years now where i've gone my my goal is to inspire everyone else, um, especially the younger generation of CFs coming through. Um, and just having uh, uh, Emma uh, Emma Money and her, her podcast that I did with her and her followers and some of the mums that followed her now follow me. Um, and it's awesome to have that feeling then going, I've now got something for my son, my daughter, um, someone to look up to and go, CF isn't a death sentence anymore. Yeah. Look, there's still the shit sides of CF. And I think you and me fully understand that, you know, a hundred percent. Majority of my large group of friends that I had, they're, they're not here anymore. 
You know, I've been to probably too many funerals, but I'm now gone using that and I'm going to, I'm going to run for them. I'm going to run for the new guys that are coming through. I'm going to, you know, run for your non-CF people who are going, oh, I actually don't have an excuse. Why am I not running? You, you've got 60% lung function or 66% lung function and you're running a hundred miler. So I'm not there to make anyone feel bad, but I'm there to go, go out and live your life. Like go and do something. If you want to go and ride a hundred K, go ride a hundred K. You want to swim? You want to, you want to run? Um, yeah. Like it's amazing when you start something like that, you might find that you actually love it and it becomes a, not a, I have to do it, but I want to. You know, and that's, it's so beautifully said brother. And I guess the, the analogy that I've used before is I think, walking into or living a life with CF at times where challenging and, and confronting can be like walking into a dark room, but it just takes one person walking over and opening up the curtains and letting the light in that allows you to see there's there's something extremely positive in all of this. And there's something to be learned and there is a path, there is a way forward. And you're doing that for so many people and, and you're doing that for someone like me, you know, who, who I look at you and I go far out. And I thought I was bloody conquering some challenges. This man's incredible. So, mate, I've got, like I said, so much respect for you and I can imagine. Oh, the same goes, mate. I've got that respect for you as well. And, and, you know, when I first saw the 42 for CF, you know, that's incredible in itself. Just you and your guys and everyone running that for CF. It's awesome. It's amazing. No, I appreciate that, brother. And I guess it's, as as I always say to the team, like many hands make the light work. So if we all, you know, pull these little pieces together and build this, I guess, this uplifting front for people with CF, it, it's going to do wonders for that next generation and for the generation who live with and, and fight against it every day. 100%, man. Hey, I want to dive into the part of the podcast that is kind of a consistent rolling theme. It's five questions and five answers. For some people, they'll be yep. listening to this as the trailer so they can go ahead and then go, hey, I love this. I'm going to go jump into the full episode. Or for the others who have been here with us already for the course of a full episode, this will be the beautiful conclusion to the conversation that we've had. So I want to roll in relatively rapid fire, but it's always a little bit loosen up for interpretation how rapid you get. Um, the, first, the first question is, if you could recommend one book or one one podcast to someone listening, what would that be? Oh, um, you know, at the moment, I'm actually reading a couple of Ant Middleton's books mm. um, around mindset. And um, I've found that I, I, it's something for me that I'm working on myself is getting around the mindset and having that confidence within myself. Yep. So, yeah, definitely his books, which go a lot into – Self-confidence, um, also into the family of how to be a better parent. You know, you know, I'm 36, got two daughters. I've got to show how to be a dad and I've got to be the best version of myself for them. Of course. I read his first book, First Man In, in Fort yep. Douglas at the start of the year. Mate, I loved it. I'm not a huge reader. I'm more of a listener. No, it's a I couldn't put down, man. I just, every morning I'd get up and I'd walk straight to yep. a cafe to sweat my ass off in 30 degree heat at 6am and just read his book. And I loved it. So that's, yeah, I'd recommend that too, to anyone listening. The second question is 
a routine or ritual that has formed part of your day today that you feel like sets you up for success? Yeah, well, honestly, um, I've been working at home now for quite some time due to COVID um, and my work's been really good with that. In all honesty, at the moment, and it's going to probably shift as I continue, but for me, it's literally having a coffee. I know that sounds really basic. Um, I've got an a espresso machine at home. So I, I grind my beans and I've got to make the coffee, froth my milk. I get my cup. I'll sit on the couch. Everyone's left for the day. And I'll just sit there with it and probably just reflect. You know, and, and I, sometimes I like it's enough. You know, I think sometimes the most powerful rituals or routines are the simplest ones because we are, we're very simple beings, but we tend to make life pretty complex. And We do. And look, I, I've gone, I've got, hey, maybe I should try some meditation in the morning. Everyone's gone. And I'm going, it's just not for me. Yeah. I've tried. I love it. Every second Saturday, I'll go down to a, a group down at Henley Beach here, do it. Sometimes a, just a, a nice hot coffee on my couch. That's all I need. Mate, that's me on my balcony in the sun of a morning. I just sit there like a bloody lizard and soak it in. <laughs> Mate, it charges you. My third question is one that um, this one could be a little bit more open-ended. It's especially for, for someone like you or I, I can imagine that challenges may be similar. Maybe not. One challenge or I guess one. what's the biggest challenge in your life that's required the most growth or resilience to overcome? Um, I've got lots, but you know what, honestly, I, I think stepping away from the fitness side of things, um, uh, I'm actually going to say probably being a dad, mm. you know, it, it is probably the biggest challenge that I've ever had to step up and do, um, especially being a dad of two, two girls, uh, they give me a run for my money, man. And it's it's learning how to be a father that I can be that someone who they can come to me um, and show that they can come to me with their problems. And that's still, that's testing. Um, you know, they test you, you get angry or you say no. And then my wife's pointed out to me and she's gone, why did you say no? And I'll go, you know what? purely because I probably just didn't want to deal with it at the time. Um, and maybe I need to step back and think and go, say yes. You know, yeah. there's parenting, but also make it so that they can come to you as they get older. Um, that's probably been my biggest challenge. And that's an overgrowing challenge. That's not going to stop now. You know, they're, they're only nine and six. Yeah. And I guess it grows as they do, doesn't it? Like it does. It does, um, and that's all I can probably do is just keep being the person I am and growing with them. And I know you'd be able to, you'd be able to feel what I feel here when I say, and I've I've said this, I sound like a broken record on the podcast so many times, but as someone who is not a parent, but someone who is a a child of the two, in my opinion, most incredible parents in the world, I have so much love and admiration for the two people who brought me up into this world, my mom and my dad, and then also my younger sister. And without them, I would not be, I guarantee I would not be the human being I am today. So I know the effect of, of great parenting because I'm a product of it. And 
to hear you speak of your kids and, you know, where I've seen you speak about it before on social media and, and to have the sense of understanding for life and the knowledge and the appreciation you have for every living moment, mate, I think this is going to do wonders for, for your two girls. So I'm excited because they will get so much from you as a father. Best feeling. Best feeling. I can imagine. Um, I'm looking forward to it one day, but I'm not ready for it quite yet. So. <laughs> Trust me. I'm, yeah, I'm it's hard work. 26, yeah. <laughs> I want to dive into this fourth question here, which usually is the second question, but I got them mixed up because, you know, That's I, right. like, I like to flow with it. Um, there's no reason for their particular order. I guess I'm just a man <laughs> of habit and ritual until today. Um, this question is a skill you'd recommend mastering that significantly improved your life skill um i that's a really really good question yeah it could even be an attribute yeah um you know what probably listening yeah i've heard that once or twice on here and yeah um i I need to get better at that so do i um but listening to someone um I guess this kind of comes back as well to the kids. Actually listen to them. You don't, I've probably actually got a bit of a bad habit of going what their issues are. They've had a crappy day at school, you know, they're year four or year one, and they've had a crappy day at school and they come home and tell me something and I go, whatever, that's not an issue. But then I've got to step back and I go, no, no, listen, because for you, that's not an issue for them. It's the biggest problem in the world. Mm. Um, and I then transfer that into talking to someone like yourself or even, uh, you know, someone who's older than me um, and just listen. And sometimes listening to someone can be, uh, can literally be saving someone's life. You know, I- I've listened to people on social media who I don't know, um, and they've just reached out with CF and gave a bit of a, my life is shit right now. Yeah. And you listen to them and they'll go, thank you. I need to get that off my chest. Yeah. And we all need that from time to time. Right. And I think that's part of, I guess that's part of being empathetic is understanding that what someone needs today may be what you need tomorrow. And hundred percent that, that skill set whilst sometimes very challenging and very difficult to do because we all love to chat and as an as a chatter as someone who loves a conversation um, I'm definitely trying to get better at the art of listening and and learning from it oh look I can talk someone's ear off for hours on end um uh, I think the, the hard thing about listening though is not interrupting and trying to give you a point of view (laughs) <laughs> it's, it is like Especially as much as you, you want to go yeah. you want to say no no this is what i think no hold on step back listen just listen um and you know what listening to someone else he can teach you something of course and you know what and that's the one thing i love mate is i, I was saying just a few weeks ago my actual next podcast guest after you is a guy who i met at a gang of youths concert last Saturday night, he was sitting next to me and his story was incredible. And we just connected so well, me, him, his wife, and my mate, we're just having the best chat. And it's just being open to listening to someone new and you'd be yeah. surprised what you learn. So I echo Definitely. your answer. 
Um, Fantastic. Mate, the last question I have for you, my favorite of the five, and a real opportunity for you here in the closing um, sort of minutes of this podcast is one message that you'd like to share with the world if you could encourage them to act on it. You know, my favorite one at the moment um, and I've used this since my ultra last year. Um, and I said it, pre- I think I pretty much said it before is life is short. Um, go out and enjoy what it is you love doing. Um, that's probably the biggest thing I can tell anyone, especially someone who does have a chronic illness, you know, already witnessing the people that I love passed away. And now going out and achieving what I didn't think was possible. Um, you, Anyone can get hit by a bus tomorrow. So it's not even in relation to having a chronic illness, but go out and just live your life. Yeah, we've all got responsibilities, but pick something. And you know what? Even if it's sitting down and enjoying your cup of coffee, it, 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 life is short. It just, just do what makes you happy. Mate, you're a credit to your hard work, your commitment, your courage to continue to overcome this challenge that is cystic fibrosis that so many know too well. Mate, you're an inspiring character, not only for me, but I can imagine the thousands living with CF and the, the millions without it. I'm so encouraged by your efforts and what you're about to take on over the course of these coming months. And I'll be watching closely and and cheering you on from the sidelines, um, not from the trails. But mate, I am I'm such a fan of yours, Kyle. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. And I'll ensure that for everyone listening to and watching this, all of your details and social links are in the show description in the notes. So they can go ahead and, and support you on the journey. Mate, it's been a uh, you're a legend, mate. You're a legend. Thank you very much for this. Appreciate mate, it. Pleasure's all mine. I'll talk to you soon. Uh, I look I look forward to uh, following your journey as well, buddy. Mate, pleasure. Take care, guys. Take it Thanks easy for listening.